Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Open up our Bibles this morning. We're going to look together in the book of 1 John chapter 1. If, you're, uh, if you've got your Bible with you, I would love to have you join me there in the book of 1 John chapter 1. Of course, these are the epistles of John, uh, not the same as the gospel of John, toward the end uh, near the book of Revelation. So 1 John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 5 to 8 in just a moment. And to get your mind moving in the right direction this morning, I want to remind you of one of our historical figures here in the United States, a man who has uh, been marked by controversy from the very time he became the third president of the United States. And his name, of course, is Thomas Jefferson. He has uh, inspired many people. He, of course, is the drafter of the Declaration of Independence that we celebrated just a few uh, days ago on the 4th of July. He wrote inspiring words that men have strived to live up to for generations. All men are created equal and endowed by their creator with inalienable rights. He was the one who penned those original words, of course, was our third president. And at the same time, when you begin to examine his life, you find some very discouraging truths about him. Uh, he, we, uh, looking back at people in history, we can easily find things to judge them, right? So uh, <laughs> what's interesting is that this is not new. Even while Thomas Jefferson was alive, people had a lot of bad things to say about him. In the campaign of the year 1800, John Adams called Jefferson a mean-spirited, low-lived fellow, son of a half-breed Indian squaw. There was campaign uh, material that branded him as a weakling, atheist, libertine coward. Even Martha Washington, wife of our first president, George Washington, told one clergyman that Jefferson was one of the most detestable of mankind. And so you have these competing views of a guy named Thomas Jefferson. There were accusations in 1802 that he had been having an affair with one of his slaves named Sally Hemings. For many, many generations, people thought that it was just a rumor, that it was just... Uh, just uh, propaganda, and yet in 1998, they did DNA testing and discovered that there was a true link between Hemings' descendants and the Jefferson family, 
which basically confirmed that he was having an affair with one of his slaves. And you think about that, that is crazy to think about, that here's a guy who often denounced slavery, right? In 1774, this is what he wrote, the abolition of domestic slavery is the great object of desire in those colonies where it was unhappily introduced. He's basically saying, I want slavery to go away. And at the same time, over the course of his lifespan, he owned a total of over 600 slaves who worked on his Monticello farm, and, uh, and one of them, of course, becoming the object of his affair. Now, there's a, there's a lot of reasons and there's a lot of complications that we could go into this morning and explanations, and I don't think that, you know, there, that we can properly discuss it without understanding the culture of the day, the laws. There were certain laws that prohibited Virginians from freeing their slaves, various things like this. But the basic understanding when we look at a guy like Thomas Jefferson is on one hand you can have deeply inspiring held beliefs, and on the other hand, you can have an action, an activity that seemed to contradict those beliefs. Everybody with me so far? What we are talking about this morning is hypocrisy. And if you can sense, if you can smell hypocrisy in the life of Jefferson, well, he's not the only one. And if we begin to be honest this morning, and we begin to examine our own lives, I'm not saying that we rise to the same level, but the truth is we can all find areas of hypocrisy in our own lives. What is hypocrisy? It is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. That means I believe this, but I'm doing this. This is something that is deeply hated, right? There is something in us that despises hypocrisy. And when we find it, especially in other people, it causes anger, rage, and we begin to work against the hypocrisy of others. The human mind is not equipped to try to understand hypocrisy. We are programmed for justice and moral clarity. Isn't that interesting? That if there was no God, why would we care about hypocrisy? But because there is a God and because we are created in His image, it bothers us when we find hypocrisy in others. And in the scripture we're about to read, we find a puzzling, seeming contradiction that the Bible certainly calls us to. So I want you to join me as we examine this idea of hypocrisy in the life of believers. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this scripture, otherwise you're going to miss it this morning. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and we declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. How many can testify God is no hypocrite? 
He is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It's pretty harsh, Apostle John. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And here's this last verse that's just thrown in here, by the way, almost. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So interesting here, and I want to examine this and take this apart for you so you can understand. and We can live together searching for God this morning. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we come by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we come to the Scripture this morning seeking Your wisdom and Your truth. Teach us to live right, God, and teach us to honor You, you as we live lives of holiness. And I'm thanking You, God, for the work that You're doing in this place. Give us grace, mercy by the blood of of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people would say, Amen. Amen. So this is a message I've titled, Reach for the Stars to Get Out of the Mud. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. But first I want you to understand what we all should understand very easily, and that is that hypocrisy is evil. Hypocrisy is evil, and there is a reason why there are so many biblical Uh, rebukes against hypocrisy. Let's just do a quick Bible examination of the the topic of hypocrisy. Jesus himself uh, addressed the hypocrites when he spoke to the scribes and the Pharisees. This is what he said, Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Jesus says you better be careful about, around these guys, because they are pretenders. They are saying, they are claiming to be one thing, but inwardly, what the reality is, is that they are something very different. He called them hypocrites. Matthew 15, verse 7. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus, uh, he, he speaks about the hypocrites, and remember, who was he rebuking? The, the religious leaders of the day. Jesus never, he never used this kind of language about, about prostitutes or tax collectors or, or you know, the, the lowlifes of society. Even the Samaritan woman that he met at the well, he never had harsh language for her. But when it came to those self-proclaiming, those aggrandizing people uh, who, would, uh, who would make sure everyone knew how much they gave in the offering, they, they would pray with loud words out on the street corner so everyone could hear their wonderfully ornate prayers. And Jesus looked at them and He reserved this kind of language for them. Why? Because they were hypocrites. Because they were putting on a big show. And Jesus said to them, you have your reward. 
In other words, God didn't hear that prayer, but if you've impressed anybody in the crowd that day, good job, because that's the only thing you're going to get out of that prayer. He says, hypocrisy is vanity. Hypocrisy means that I'm more worried about what other people think about me than what God thinks about me. It's deceitful. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. Here's the Apostle Paul speaking about false leaders that were deceiving the church. He says they are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. That's interesting because it doesn't say that God was transforming them. It said they were transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. How many know you can't just become an apostle overnight? You can't just wake up tomorrow morning and say, hey, I feel like a preacher today. You can't just wake up tomorrow morning and and put on a tie and say, now I've got it all together. See, that's foolishness. It's deceitful and it is hypocritical. And Paul backs this up by saying, no wonder. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. The greatest hypocrite of all is our enemy, the devil. And isn't the devil so smart? Because he is the nastiest, filthiest hypocrite of them all. But when he appears, he appears as an angel of light. And he will use this appearance in the end times. We know, if you read the book of Revelation, that when the beast appears, everyone will worship at his image. There will be appeal to him. The world will seek to appease. The world will, uh, will grovel at his feet because when Satan, he doesn't show up with a red uh, cape and a pitchfork like in the cartoons. He doesn't show up with one of those evil demon masks that you see at Halloween time. No, when, when he shows up, he transforms himself to appear appealing. That's what hypocrisy is. It's putting on a mask. It's putting on, not a, not a breathing mask. It's putting on um, a, a, an image that does not represent your true nature. In fact, the word hypocrisy in the Greek It is the word that was used by the Roman culture as someone who would act on a stage. And so the people, as they would go to a presentation to see a play, there was comedies, there was dramas in their amphitheaters, and the people that would come out onto the stage and play a part, they would actually call them hypocrites. They were the actors. That was the actual word that they used. And so that's the picture. That's why you can't trust people in Hollywood. Because they are hypocrites. They make a living pretending to be somebody else. And they make millions of dollars doing it very well. Don't listen to those people. It also says about hypocrites that something happens internally when you allow hypocrisy to to be a consistent part of your life. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 says, The Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy. And then what happens next? 
having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What happens to someone who, uh, who becomes a hypocrite and does not change is that their conscience begins to be seared. What does that mean? It gives you the picture of a conscience that can no longer feel any pain or any conviction. The, the, the image of having a seared conscience. Imagine, you know, uh, taking a hot iron and uh, pressing it against your hand. Ooh, yeah, that would sting, that would hurt, it would burn, it would cause all kinds of damage. And then after a few weeks, all of that damaged skin would fall off and there's a new, thicker layer of skin on there. And then if you did it again, ah, you probably feel it again. But you know, if you did it 50 times or 100 times, you might still burn some skin on there, but you wouldn't feel it. All of the pain receptors would be burned off. And you'd be able to touch a hot iron to the palm of your hand and you could go uh, into the circus and say, watch this, everybody. Yeah! Seared with a hot iron. In other words, you can't feel it anymore. This is what sin produces in your life and mine. When we allow ourselves to, to be led into temptation, when we don't let God deal with us, When we give ourselves, when we play the hypocrite, there's a little part of us that is burnt away, our conscience. You remember what it was like the first time you realized that you were a sinner? I remember realizing I was a sinner and feeling the weight of God's condemnation on my soul. I was like, oh no, I have to get right with God right now. It's like the first time you steal money off of of your parents' dresser. Oh, you carry that guilt around with you for weeks. Or the first time you go into a store and you steal a candy bar. Don't get any ideas, young people. You steal a candy bar, and guess what? You feel bad about it. It melts in your pocket because you're gripping it too tightly. And you carry the pain of that. But guess what? The second time you do it, the third time, the fourth time, It hurts less and less. This is what happens to the person who uh, is walking around carrying the known grief of offense and not responding to God. We will slip into hypocrisy. Now, we can all testify this morning that we despise hypocrisy. Especially if we find it in historical characters like Thomas Jefferson. Now, if you, can, if you look deep enough, guess what? You will find hypocrisy in every figure. It is saying of one thing, preaching it to others, even codifying it into law and documents, and then failing to do it yourself. And how we despise that. Oh, we despise it. We condemn when it's in other people. And why do we despise it so much? As I mentioned, I believe it's part of God's character in us. It's what Jesus spoke about. He says, be careful how you judge other people. He says, you you are so careful that when there's a little tiny splinter in the eye of your brother, you'll say, what's that? There's a problem right there. You better get that out of your life. That little speck is bothering me. All the while, Jesus said, there's a beam, a two-by-four sticking out of your eye. And you don't even see it. 
Jesus said, you'd be, you'd be better off to deal with the beam in your own eye so that you can be more sensitive to help people remove hypocrisy from their lives. So here's what I want you to understand about hypocrisy, and this is why I wanted to preach the service this morning. Hypocrisy, where does it come from? It is the result of having high standards. I want you to think about that for a moment. Hypocrisy is the result of having high standards. How many realize this morning that Christianity has high standards? You start reading the Bible, I don't know about you, but I start getting concerned. Because first, uh, Le- Leviticus, rather, Leviticus 20, verse 7, here's what God said to his people. He said, consecrate yourselves and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Did you hear what God said? He said, I want you to be holy. Does anybody here make the claim of holiness? You come into church and say, hey, pastor, I did it. I'm holy. I know I haven't got there. And yet, that's not the only place the Bible commands us to holiness. Uh, you say, Pastor, that's the Old Testament. That's the, that was just for the Jewish people, right? No, 1 Peter. We go to the New Testament. 1 Peter 1, verse 16. Again, quoting from Leviticus, where it says, Be holy, for I am holy. Did anyone ever read that and say, Come on, God, don't you know who I am? I don't know about you, but when I first got saved and I started trying to understand the Bible and I came across a verse like that and I said, that's unfair, God, because you know that I can't do that. It's not the only place we are called to holiness. Ephesians 5 verse 3 says, but fornication and uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Let it not even be named among you. One translation says, let there not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. See, I'm pretty confident that if we were to open up the books as God is going to do one day, and peer into your life, into your thought life, into the words that you've said, the things that you've looked at, I'm guessing that there's probably not one of us who could pass that standard. Romans 6.13, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to God, but present to yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Anybody here successfully allowing God to use you exclusively as an instrument of righteousness? That's a pretty high standard, isn't it? Say, I don't let my body do anything except things that are righteous. Colossians 3.5, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, 
which is idolatry. You tell me, can anyone here honestly say that you've not had a single evil desire in the last seven days? Y'all a bunch of hypocrites. Do you see what I'm saying? Because the Bible is calling us to a standard that is very hard to achieve. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. And so, let us be careful against throwing the claim of hypocrisy against others without also realizing that maybe we should be looking at ourselves first. I listened to a powerful uh, um, discussion on a podcast, and, uh, and the, the speaker was making a, a very interesting point. You know, there's so many people today who are making cries to change the world, cries to change the government, cries to change the laws of our nation, cries to change all the other things in the outward, and yet you, can, you don't even have your own life in order. Maybe you should start with changing the flaws in your own character. Maybe you should start with changing what the flaws in your family, in your household, and then you can tell me how we can improve the society. See, the truth is, on some level, we all deal with hypocrisy. Preacher, are you saying that you're a hypocrite too? Well, let me just give you a little hint. <laughs> The sermons that you hear preached from pulpits are exactly the same issues that God is dealing with me about. I am preaching to myself first, and then I'm hoping that somebody else gets something out of it. So, how do you avoid hypocrisy? Oh, that's really easy. How do you stop yourself from being a hypocrite? I'll tell you. Don't have any standards. Have low standards. Say, the, the goal for my life is to be a loser. Easy, I can do that. I can live in sexual immorality. No problem, I can do that. You know, I've heard people tell me, when I invite them to church, we go on outreach and, and we give somebody an invitation, and if you've done that, you've probably had the same experience that somebody will tell me, uh, <clears throat> you want to come to church with me, right? Here's an invitation. What, what's stopping you from serving God? And I've had people say to me, you know, I, I would like to go to church, but I just don't want to be a hypocrite. And so I'm not going to go now because I want to keep living the way I'm living. They'd rather live a life of low standards and avoid hypocrisy than to even make an attempt to know a God who can set them free. Do you see the lies that the devil uses here? The devil will speak to the sinner and he will tell the sinner who is in their sin, yeah, well, at least you're honest. All of those church people, they're all hypocrites. You're good right where you are. And then that same devil, he'll show up in the church service and he's right here uh, causing people in church to look around at each other and say, well, I'm better than that person and that person and that. They're all hypocrites. He's so smart. 
the way to avoid hypocrisy altogether is just to have no standards at all. But, if we're going to try to serve God, you're going to have to contend with standards that are out of your reach. See, what happens when you bump up against those kinds of standards like, be holy for I am holy, like not even a hint of sexual immorality, when you bump up against that and you find that standard and you realize there's a gap between what God wants and where you are, what does it cause you to do? It causes you to feel the sting of hypocrisy, which should cause you to reach higher. If your heart is still sensitive to God, if you can still feel His conviction, then you will say to yourself, I'm not where I need to be. I need to strive for more. So I want to close with this idea of reach for the stars. And that's where the title of this message came from. It's a quote by a guy that I don't know. His name is Leo Burnett, apparently an American business owner. But listen to this quote that it really inspired me when I came across it. He said, when you reach for the stars, you may not quite get one, but you won't come up with a handful of mud either. Did you hear that? When you reach for the stars, you might not get one but you'll certainly not get a handful of mud. And that is where we find peace and healing and forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. Why is God calling us to this strange state of hypocrisy? Again, let's examine our scripture. The first verse, here in verse 5, it said, God is light, in Him is no darkness at all. There's no hypocrisy in God. And if we say we have fellowship with Him, we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There's the high standard. And at the same time, verse 8, skip to verse 8, says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're hypocrites. And the truth is not in us. So do you see the tension there? The tension between striving to be with God in whom is no darkness at all and the reality that if we say we are without sin, we are deceiving ourselves. I see the tension in me. What is the answer? The answer is in verse 7. It's in the blood of Jesus. See, the truth is that none of us will ever attain or achieve reaching for the stars. We will never be able to follow those standards that God has set for us. You will never in your own flesh be able to, to do away with the body of sin and completely surrender to the life of righteousness, at least not in this life. There will constantly be a struggle between flesh and spirit. Paul described it so well in Romans. He said, oh, this body of death, who will deliver me from this body that causes me to be stuck to the ground in the mud? But he says, no, I will continue to strive. 
let us not be conformed to this world. Romans 12, verse 1, let us not be conformed to this world, to the mud, but let us be transformed through the renewing of our mind. We're reaching for the stars. We're reaching for something greater. And that's how, beloved, we can understand why on some level we all deal with hypocrisy. That's perhaps how we can look back at historical figures like Thomas Jefferson and realize that he is a man of sin. He was a man in his time and he was... He held slaves and even had an affair with one of them. And he is certainly far from perfect. But he was reaching for the stars. He was reaching for ideals that before that time, very few men had ever reached for. On Wednesday of conference, Pastor Richard Ruby preached about Columbus. People tearing down his statues these days because they say, well, he did a lot of evil things. And he may have done a lot of evil things. But who can you point to who made a journey across the sea to introduce Western civilization to an uncharted place? He's like the Elon Musk of the 1400s. When we build a statue to somebody, we are not celebrating the evil that they did. We are celebrating that they reached for the stars. And they accomplished something in pursuit of a dream. What about you? Because the truth is, we come into this world mired in the muck and the mud. We come into this world bound and clinging to the earth. David said, my soul clings to the dust. Did you ever feel like that? My soul, oh, my, everything in me wants to be bound. But there's a part of me that yearns for more. If you're a Christian in this place, it is God's Spirit that dwells in you, that yearns to be free from the mud, that yearns to do something more, that to achieve the high standards that have been given to us in the Scripture. Am I giving you an excuse to be a hypocrite today? No. Am I saying it's okay to exist in hypocrisy? No. What I am saying this morning is to realize that there are gaps in your life and in mine of hypocrisy. There are pockets that when God reveals them to you, it is not enough to say, huh, I guess I am a hypocrite. No, that is the calling to reach for the stars. That is the calling to strive for more. That is the calling to depend on verse 7 of our scripture, to depend on the blood of Jesus. Listen to what it says one more time as we close. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I remember early on in my salvation, as a new convert, I remember feeling a sense of anger toward God. 
Do you know why? I was getting angry at God because I realized what a sinner I was and that I didn't deserve what Jesus did for me. I said, why, God? Why would you allow this to happen so that little old me could have forgiveness? God, I'm not deserving of you allowing your son to die on the cross. God, I don't, I, I don't deserve that. I, I didn't ask for that. God, why would you do that? Don't you know who Jesus was, God? Like dumb new convert thinking. And I had to come to the realization that the reason God had to allow His Son to die for us sinners so that we could have a path toward righteousness. See, because without the blood of Jesus, without the grace and the mercy of God, we'd all be stuck in the mud. Did you ever get stuck in the mud? I know Noel did. You get stuck in the mud, man. Step on the gas, not going anywhere. Wheels spinning. Maybe you know what it feels like in your life. You step on the gas for God. I'm going to try. I'm going to do something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step forward for God. And then stuck in the mud. How do we get unstuck from the mud? We've got to reach for the stars. See, the blood of Jesus is what allows us to overcome our faults, to overcome our failures, to move beyond our hypocrisy and go to another level with God. Are you ever going to achieve that in this life? No. Paul even said, have I reached perfection yet? No. But what we do is we reach for the stars, and as we do so, guess what? We are being freed from the mud. Day by day, we are transformed into His likeness and His image. We are becoming more and more like Him. And if you're not, there's a problem. If you refuse to change, if you say, oh, forget the high standards, I'm good where I am, then we are no better than the hypocrites that Jesus called out. The religious hypocrites. The ones who are in church every Sunday. We're no better than them if we know the hypocrisy is there and say, eh, I guess it's always going to be there. And we stop striving for holiness. The answer this morning is found in the blood of Jesus. The grace and the mercy of God which gives us a step out of the mud. So how about you this morning? Are you happy with your hypocrisy? Or will you make the decision today to reach up for the stars and make another step toward God this morning? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and ask God to help us in this place. As we bring this service to a close, I want you to begin thinking about not other people. It's easy for us. And we are experts at finding hypocrisy in the lives of others. But can I remind you this morning that God never called you to do that? God never instructed us to be the judge and the jury for other people. What He did tell us to do is to examine our own hearts, to look for the two by fours sticking out of our eyes, 
to examine the areas of hypocrisy that are at work in our own hearts. And before we go condemning others, condemning people around us, condemning historical figures, we ought to look at ourselves. And as we begin to do that this morning in a spirit of humility, we come before the throne of grace realizing how broken we are. We can find forgiveness and healing in the blood of Jesus. And before we do anything else, I want to make a call very quickly. You're here today and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know that you're not right with God. You know that if you were to die today, step into eternity, the Bible says we will all be judged according to our works, according to our deeds, according to our words. And that's all that God needs. If He judged you according to your words, to your thoughts, your intentions, if He judged you today based on those things, I want to tell you something. We're all guilty. There is no one righteous, no one deserving of God's grace or mercy. Not one of us has earned the right to waltz into heaven. No, in fact, the opposite is true. We have earned God's wrath. We have earned God's anger because of our sins, because of our hypocrisy, because we claim to be something and we're really not. What about you today? Can you look at your life honestly and say, you know what? I realize that I'm not right with God. But the hope is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the message of hope that because He died on the cross, you don't have to die. Because He suffered for you, you don't have to suffer. Because He bled, you don't have to bleed. Because He died. You don't have to die. Pastor, how does that work? How do I receive that wonderful gift? Well, it's through faith and repentance. When you believe in your heart that Jesus is God's Son and that He rose from the dead, and then you repent of your sins, and that means to turn away. Your life will be changed. More than just a confession, more than just an emotional religious experience, a repentance means a life that is changed. And you say, Pastor, I'm willing to try. I don't think I can do it perfectly. Guess what? Nobody can. But if you're here and you say, I want to repent of my sins and put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to pray with you. Maybe you're watching on our live stream this morning. You realize that you need a holy God to set you free from your sins. I want to pray with you this morning. I wonder if, you, if that's you, you just lift up your hand. Is there someone here not right with God or backslidden in your faith? You want to come home today. It's time to serve the Lord. I see that hand. Is there somebody else? Hand lifted high this morning. God's speaking to you. You feel the power of God, the mercy of God, and the blood of Jesus reaching out to you through His Spirit right now. And it's time to turn from your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that you? Let me see your hand. Anyone else? Quickly this morning. God dealing with hearts today. Amen. One young man, you lifted up your hand. I wonder, would you be bold enough to come forward? We're going to pray with you right here at this altar. I'm going to pray with you. Okay, 
Hallelujah. God, we want to pray together as a congregation as well. I want to speak to the church for just a moment. God's going to help us today. Very simple truth that there is hypocrisy in all of us at some point. The question is, are you okay with it? And if you're not, today is the day to deal with those areas of hypocrisy. And say, God, I realize that I've been believing and speaking and saying one thing and then I'm doing something very different in my life. And today is the day when God has pointed it out to you and it's time to change. See, when you realize hypocrisy is there, it's not enough just to say, huh, I guess I am a hypocrite. It is a call this morning to reach for the stars. And I want to ask you all, we're going to pray together. If God is dealing with you, we're going to make an altar right where you are. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.